Today, we continue back in our study through the book of Ephesians, and we are going to um, look at the question and, and hopefully answer the question, what does it mean to be the church? Many people have uh, different perceptions of what church is. This picture I printed off is a picture of a fancy church. And to many people, church is that building, that place to go, or the things that we do, rather than who we are in Christ as the people of God. The church is not a big, beautiful, ornate cathedral. It's not the fun programs and, and the coffee time after church. It certainly includes that gathering together, which we are told not to neglect. There's nothing wrong with a fancy church building or those programs. But the book of Ephesians takes us deeper than the world's perception of the church and teaches us, as we read in Ephesians 2, that we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself, our cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That was Ephesians chapter 2 and we went on to talk about the church in chapter 3 where we saw that um, through the church, God is displaying His great and many-faceted wisdom. He's showing His glory through the church. Now in Ephesians chapter 4, we come again to this theme of God's people... And we see that God's design for the church is for each one to be equipped to serve. Each one growing together by living out the truth with love. Perhaps that doesn't seem very impressive to you. Maybe not the formula for success on the cover of the book about how to transform your church but this is what it means to be the church. For all of us to be able to serve one another, to grow by living the truth with love. And uh, this is something that God rejoices in. In His sight, this is something far grander and more beautiful than a cathedral like this that we could build 
He delights to see his people living the truth with love. This text is an opportunity for us to look at the word of God and and to ask how our lives match up with God's purposes for his people. And it's a chance for us to be also encouraged to see God's work in our midst. Because God is working in the small ways and the big ways. He has brought each of us here to this local gathering. He has given us gifts so that we could serve him together. And so this, as we open up the word of God in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 16, is, is an opportunity for us to be prepared and to be encouraged to grow together into the church God wants us to be. I will begin by reading Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 10. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He also, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. It's quite the beginning. Each one of us, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, have been given grace. And this grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. In other words, Christ determines the gifts that he would give to each one of us. This is encouraging because Christ himself personally chooses what gifts he would give to us. When we trust him and believe in him, we can know that all people, though given different gifts, are valued and loved by God and have a purpose for building up the body. Whether it's the gift of encouraging others, being an administrator, showing hospitality, uh, having a gift of, of knowledge and understanding truth, and uh, being able to discern truth from error, whether it's being merciful, which is one of the hardest of all. Each one is an important part of the body. And together, each one makes up what's needed for the health and maturity of the whole body. Can you imagine what our church would be like if we had nobody who was merciful? And we're all called to be that, but there are some who especially are gifted in showing mercy and compassion. Or if we were all just uh, planners and administrators and we could do things, but none of us were, were kind. Or, or, or the other way around. 
We need each other because we spur one another on to love and to good deeds. Many people that I talk to, especially young people, don't really know. I feel like I don't know how God's gifted me. I'm not even sure that I'm meaningful or worth it. Word of God says that if Jesus loved you and he saved you and he died for you, that he has given you gifts and he has given you grace to live. That he is with you. And I can understand feeling that way because many times I myself feel inadequate in different areas and settings. My encouragement would be that we ought to serve in some way, even as we're unsure. God doesn't generally call people that are really gifted and smart and good at things. He does, but he often takes those fearful people, people like Moses and Esther, who didn't really want to do what God was calling them to do. And he prepares those that answer the call to serve. We learn our gifts as we seek to serve, and as the body of Christ, as we do this in community, the body of Christ can confirm the ways that God is using us and can encourage us in the things that God would have us to do. Paul, though, doesn't talk about every single gift there is. He actually gives us here in Ephesians 4 a very specific list. Some other lists in the Bible, they're all different, are Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. But here in Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, we read that he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Paul speaks of four types of gifted people that God gives as gifts to the church. And defining these terms is, has been uh, difficult and somewhat controversial over the years, but really we're going to take it very broadly they're all focused on some common things and that is the revealing and proclaiming of the truth that is what unites them revealing and proclaiming the truth of God's word teaching and equipping the body of Christ and that is their purpose as it states it very clearly in the text. Paul doesn't focus on these gifts because they're the top gifts and everything else is underneath and not quite as good, you know, but rather because all believers need to be equipped to serve. So it is, in, it is an important role to reveal and to proclaim truth, to have a ministry of the word, and that may take place in different ways. God gifts people differently. The 
The stated purpose of these gifted leaders is to equip the saints. That involves all kinds of things. What does it mean to equip somebody? You mean to prepare somebody for the work they're going to do? To um, restore or encourage someone? To refine? To instruct? That word is very much kind of like a coach. A coach of a, of a team. They come alongside and train the players so that they, the whole team would be able to go out and to do well. And so God's design for the church is that those with gifts of leadership, shepherding and teaching would serve the people so that God's people can serve the congregation and the community. The ministry of the word, claiming God's word to one another, is about preparing one another for service. Serving the Lord encompasses so many things. But ultimately it involves testifying of the good news of Jesus Christ. That is our ultimate mission on this world. To go and to make disciples of people from every nation. You see, we have been given this message of reconciliation. Good news that Jesus Christ died to forgive our sins, taking our punishments so that we might have eternal life and a restored relationship with God. This is the greatest news that we have to bring to the world, to live out in our lives. We live as people who've been changed by God. God's design for his church is, is that he would give people as gifts, leaders, to equip his church to be able to testify of him. And God has given us, even though we're just a small little church, Everything we need. Each one of you has a valuable part to play. Together, if we serve and equip alongside one another in God's strength, I believe that God will do great things. And those great things may not seem great to us. They begin with the small serving the Lord and being obedient to Him. R. Kent Hughes wrote that really the bottom line, and I, I agree with him, the bottom line here for us to think about is that for every Christian believer, each one of us ought to be involved in some way, some kind of ministry whether that's opening our homes up to one another, getting involved in youth in Awana, or learning to be an evangelist to our neighbors, a good testimony at work. We all can serve together, doing our part to build up the body of Christ.
God's design for his church is for everyone to be equipped to serve. And God's design for his church is also everyone growing up. Let's read verses um, 13 and 14. Ephesians 4 verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Ultimately, God desires us to be growing, in growing in unity, that our, our faith in Christ and our knowledge of Him would be increasing, growing in maturity, that is Christ-like character, and growing in stability, where we're not tossed about by all the things that are going on in this world and all the teachings that are going around in this world. The idea isn't the perfect church, but it is the growing church church and so we are called to no longer act with the immaturity of a child just think about a adult and i'm sure you've all met them at times that where they're acting like a two-year-old with temper tantrums and you just they're one thing the next one day and one thing the next day just uh it's not it's not a good thing to see an adult acting like a little child. And so in the same way for the church to, to act like that, it's not reflecting God's honor and glory. Not only is it not reflecting God's honor and glory, but it's not good for the church. You're getting tossed around by all these things. I was kind of reminded of the Calvin and Hobbes comics I get most of my sermon illustrations from there. No, I get some of them because I think it's true to life. But Calvin's asking his dad all these questions about how things work. And his dad doesn't give him the best of answers. He tells him stuff like, the sun is the size of a baseball. Light bulbs work on magic. And bank machines have a little guy, man inside, who prints the money off and hands it through the slot. And... Uh, so Calvin, he, he just eats it all up because he doesn't understand, right? He's a six-year-old. He should know better at six, but just kidding. Uh, it probably didn't help that his dad wasn't leading him on in the truth, right? We're faced with something a lot more serious than that, that kind of a silly joke or deception where people say, what's it say on the ceiling? You look up, gullible. That's what it says. It's a little bit more in this world that we need to watch out for. And so that's one of the reasons we need to be equipped. That we could stand firm in our faith, knowing and leaning on the word of God. What is it that uh, really changes a church what really brings 
growth. Want to know the answer, the grand secret? Let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Growth comes by living the truth comes by every member doing their part in community. And last but not least, love. The word um, speaking truth is an interesting word. It's only used twice in the Bible, once where Paul is defending himself to the Galatians, Galatians 4.16, and he basically um, points to his life of living the truth. And here speaks of this same same word that I, I think really ought to be translated speaking and living the truth. It's a lifestyle of the truth. Because, you know, it's very important to speak the truth. And sometimes I feel in our culture, we don't do that. It's not, you know... We're to be tolerant and you can't say anything or you might hurt somebody's feelings. So it's important to not underestimate the speaking aspect. But what good is the speaking if my life does not match up with all the things that I'm saying? If I'm like the man with the log looking at your speck in the in the eye. The idea is that we embody and live the truth, knowing and doing the word, not just hearing it and saying it. Because it is fairly easy to say the truth in our, especially in our Christian circles, we can say the truth to one another, but sometimes not live it. To live the truth is to be truthful, first of all, in what we say and do, to be transparent. So you're not hiding things like, I'll let you know this is who I am, but I got these things hiding. To be trustworthy so I can count on a person who is known for truth and loyal. Doing what you say you're going to do without a hidden agenda. When I think about it, really living the truth involves a commitment to honesty in every area of life. And these things are not easy. They're not things that come naturally. They're not something you can just will yourself to do. We must offer ourselves in surrender to the Lord asking him to help us to be a person of truth. So I ask us, are we willing as a church, as the people of God, 
to commit to living and speaking truth to one another. This is really ground zero when it comes to the church. Bob Kellerman put it this way. He said, God's grand plan for his church is for every member to be a disciple maker by speaking and living gospel truth to one another in love. Every member a disciple maker, how do we do that? By speaking and living the truth of the gospel to one another and remembering always that this be done in love. We commit to doing this and be becoming equipped by the truth, then I believe we will we may not see uh, a grand church put up here to compete with the other grand building that is around this parts. But I, I believe we will begin to see a lasting change, the kind of change that God delights to see. Not only are we to live the truth in love, but we're, we're to do this and do our part in, in community. Just imagine a body with me. You have one, so just you can look at your own body. Imagine a body where the cells decide one day that they were going to do whatever they want to do. How well is that body going to work? Not well at all. We call that something. We call it cancer. And it kills the body when cells mutate and they they just they're deadly to the body. Let's not forget that we are called to work together with the grace God has given us and to grow up into him who is the head, Jesus Christ. You see, ultimately it is he who grows his church. It's from him the whole body grows, fitted and held together. And so if we forget the Lord and his work, if we forget that he is Lord, we will be a lot like those cells that go off and do our own thing in the different parts of the body rather than looking to the Lord. I want to close with a story you, you may have heard before in some form. It was put into a song as well. And the story goes like this. There were four people in the church. Their names were everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. The church had financial responsibilities. Everyone was asked to help. Everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but you know who did it. Nobody. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Then the church grounds needed some work, and somebody was asked to help. But somebody got angry about that because anybody could have done it just as well, and, and after all, it was really everyone's job. In the end, the work was given to nobody, and nobody did a fine job. On and on this went. Whenever work was to be done, nobody could always be counted on. 
Nobody visited the sick. No one gave liberally. No one shared his faith. In short, nobody was a very faithful member. Finally, the day came when somebody left the church and took anybody and everybody with him. Guess who was left? That's right, nobody. This is kind of sad. You know, the first time I read it, it's kind of you chuckle a little bit. It's not very funny at all to me because it uh, reflects what can be and often is. But in contrast to this picture of what can be, what we have in this passage in Ephesians 4 is a reminder of God's design, God's ways. That the church could be a church where each one is equipped to serve. Each one is prepared to go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And I want you to know that I'm encouraged by the equipping and serving that I see taking place in our little congregation here at Christ Community Fellowship. I want to encourage you to continue to do your part to serve and to please know that the leaders here want to equip you well in the different areas of life. We want to see God glorified in you. If there's any passage in Scripture that I long to see um, take root in our hearts, this is one of the top ones for me. Let's guard against being that church where nobody does everything and strive to be the someone who serves. God's delight is not in soaring pinnacles and grand architecture, but in seeing his people equipped, united, mature, and steadfast, grounded in him. And that involves each one of us taking part. So consider how you might serve God here in this setting and commit to, to living the truth in everyday life. God's design for his church is for each one of us to be equipped to serve, growing together into a beautiful dwelling place for the Lord. And Christ Community Fellowship we can be that kind of church if we are willing to follow the direction of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I just want to close in a word of prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning and uh, we know that um, there are many ideas of what church is, what it should look like in the world. Lord, we want to follow and uh, look to you and what you have to say about your church. We pray that we might grow in, in these areas that uh, are talked about in Ephesians 4, and that we would be people who um, continue to grow to look like your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you and praise you for the gospel by which we have hope and life and joy and peace 
And we just pray that we might be able to love and to serve you. To share this good news to the world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.